I understand that you think that the Bible is the textbook for counseling and problem solving. That all that's necessary to solve non-organic problems of life is found there. Is that so? Yes, that is so. That's exactly what I believe, and I believe it because the Bible itself teaches it. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, we have a very informative passage that is often missed. That is, its main emphasis is missed. When we turn to 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, we focus, of course, so often upon the fact that inspiration of the Scriptures is taught in that passage, and it is. That great passage teaches that the Bible is God-breathed. That is what the word inspired means. Of course, the word inspired is not a very good translation because that, the, word, the English word inspired uh, has to do with breathing in, uh, the, the action that we uh, do when we take in breath, <gasps> that action. Actually, the, the word should be translated expired when we, it speaks of breathing out, <sighs> that action, you see. But uh, when you talk about a book being expired, you're in trouble because the librarians have, have that word and they've used it for another purpose. So we're stuck, I suppose, with the word inspiration. But we need to keep it clearly in mind that when this passage does talk about the Bible being inspired, it means that this word, this book, is a word from God just as truly as if he were standing here in a physical body and speaking these words by means of breath. They're just as much his words as words that could be identified as words breathed out literally with breath by God. If he were here speaking to us that way, he would say nothing more, nothing less, nothing different than what he has said in this book. The Bible is his word. Now, it's not the writers who were inspired, but it's the book, you see, then, that is breathed out. The writers were carried along or moved along by the Holy Spirit so that the word, the book, became the breathed-out word of God. Now, Paul mentions that in the passage, but that isn't the main purpose of the passage. The main purpose of this passage is to show that because the Bible is God's breathed-out word, it is therefore profitable to the believer. First of all, verse 15 says that the Bible is able to make a man wise to salvation. That is, an unbeliever can hear there the wonderful good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, that he came in spite of our sin, which separates us from God and our sin, which requires the punishment and wrath of God for all eternity. He came to die on the cross in the place of guilty sinners. And all those who trust him find that their sins are forgiven by God. When they believe that he died for them, when they put their trust in him as their savior, they are saved from its penalty, and day by day they're being saved from its power, and someday eternally they shall be saved from the very presence of sin itself. But then for the person who is saved, who has been justified by faith in Christ, we read that the scripture is profitable or useful for four things, namely <clears throat> teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, verse 16. And these four things enable the man of God, and this speaks primarily in the pastoral epistles of the minister of God. You might turn to 1 Timothy 6.1 when you have a chance later on and check that out. It's a word, a phrase, the man of God is a phrase that's picked up out of the Old Testament by Paul uh, from passages like 1 Kings 17, 18, 24, and so on. 
that uh, speaks of the servant of God who ministers for God. That the minister of God, the man of God, may be adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, you see, that's what the Bible is intended to do. Equip the man of God for every work that God calls him to do. And the words here are interesting, the words that are used for equipping. There's a term here that means to so rig out a boat that it's ready to meet any exigency or emergency on its voyage, to plan ahead of time to meet all of those difficulties or problems which it may encounter. Now, that's exactly what the Bible does. It's a book in which God has forethought all of the difficulties and all the problems and all of the heartaches and all of the difficulties into which his people might fall. And it has given help and inf information and data to the one who has to minister to people in every situation of life so that he can meet all of those through this book. Now, how does he do it? He does it through the process of changing people by the book as the Spirit of God enables them to live according to it. And there are four things in that process of change that are mentioned in this passage. The first of those is teaching. This book sets the standard for what a life should be. There's no other standard. There could be no other standard. This is what God wants a man to look like. The Bible teaches us what God requires of us. Secondly, he convicts us of sin when we fail to meet that standard. That's what the word reproof means. It means more than just to say we're wrong. It means to so prosecute a case in a court that the person is proven guilty. Thirdly, the Bible not only knocks us flat by convicting us of our sin and showing us when we fail to live up to the teaching of what God requires for us to do or, or be in life, but it also, after knocking us flat on our faces and showing us our sin, picks us up. And as this word literally means, the word that's called correction, means to stand up straight again. It picks us up, stands us up on our feet, heads us in the right direction, and gives us a shove. In other words, it shows us how to get out of the mess. It shows us how to be forgiven, how to get things straightened out and headed, headed in the right way again. And finally, the Bible trains us in righteousness. It keeps at us day by day by day by day until the new ways of God are habituated into us and a new manner of life is developed all the problems that people meet in life that are of a nature that consist of our, our relationship to God or our relationship to our neighbor are dealt with in this book. As a matter of fact, the Bible is the textbook for counseling. It is the textbook for living. It is the textbook for problem solving. We don't have problems with chairs and automobiles that we go to counselors for. We have problems with people. That's why we go to counselors. And every problem that has to do with our love for God and our love for our neighbor is dealt with in this book. The Bible is not a, a textbook for engineering. It's not a textbook for architecture, but it is a textbook for life and godliness. And all things that pertain to life and godliness are found in this book. There is no problem that you ever have or will have with God. There is no problem that you could ever have or will have with another believer. And there is no problem that you can have or ever will have with another unbeliever that cannot be solved in this book. The principles are all there. Don't turn in all sorts of other directions for answers. The answer is in this book. And if you can't find those answers, turn to a minister who really believes the Word of God and ask him to give you help from that book in solving your problem. Don't let him 
talk psychology and other things to you, tell him to talk the Word of God. O Lord, help us to find the sufficiency that you have provided in this book. For Christ's sake, amen.